BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. And welcome to Bend the Knee, a song of ice and fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Matt, we just finished up episode seven of House of the Dragon. How are you feeling, my friend? Man, there was an enormous change. All the people that said there was a big change, there definitely was. Uh, And we will have to get to that with Lanor because that's... You know, I mean, I guess in theory, he could still be alive in the books. I think his body is collected. We don't know in what manner his body is collected uh, by the sea snake, but he offers a ridiculous prize to anyone to bring Carl back. And he right. never does. It never happens. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this you could look at this as more information, but to me, it's a change. I would say this yeah. is a change. And the shaved head looked good on Lane, or he's out at sea where he wants to be with his boy Carl. I mean... You know, the really interesting thing about that, actually, and we can come back to that towards the end of the episode, is that actually has more ramifications in A Song of Ice and Fire than it does in, like, House of the Dragons going forward. <laughs> because if that's the case in A Song of Ice and Fire, then that's a huge, I mean, we're talking massive thing that, like, that could change the way we view A Song of Ice and Fire. Because that could have, that could give you more legitimate ties with the Blackfires if they were to marry into that house and they know what's going on. Um, you know, House Valerian isn't that really, they're not really that big in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. And then uh, they're not even in the show at all, I don't believe. I don't even think they're mentioned in, in the show, House Valerian. We certainly don't see any prominent figures from it. But then in the the books, the the you know, the five books, I mean, if there are more sort of Valerians over there, 
That's yeah, game changer. All right. There's more Valerian blood. blood over there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, this was just a, a pleasure to watch. The thing I really enjoyed about this ending is the fact that Damon getting that big inheritance from his dead wife comes to play here because he has wealth to throw around for Lenor and his time in Pentos pays off because he's saying, hey, I know a place. They'll take care of you. And he ships them over there. So like, it's just the fact that there was actually some payoff for those moments uh, in this episode. And it kind of adds up and makes sense. I really, really like this episode a lot. Yeah, this was definitely another one of those visually dark episodes, right? Oh, yeah. That we saw yeah. definitely, especially towards like the end of Game of Thrones. But man, let me just say, once again, Raman Jawaldi oh, is like, I, I, he never misses, ever. It's He's in... It is insane how good the score of this episode was. It just stood out immediately. It set the tone. A very, just a very unique episode. Mm -hmm. The opening was a funeral, and it was filmed in such a way that it's actually, it, it's, it's, it's what a funeral feels like, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. It is awkward people are standing around you know there's tension yeah. it's weird if any if you've ever gone to a funeral it is just god especially for somebody you know who you're who you don't necessarily really know obviously then it's just like heartbreaking and sad but you know sometimes you go to a funeral where you just kind of know the you know mm -hmm. you kind of know somebody and it's just god it's just like you're just everyone's it's just a weird thing you kind of just bounce around to people and talk but that's kind of what it felt like i mean so it definitely it, captured the vibe like of a funeral yeah and it had a cooler tone actually with the colors to, on this episode as well and when the funeral was happening he, they showed the dragons at first circling the funeral and then the whole time you could hear them rumbling and it was like this build-up during the funeral that like you know the dragons are circling uh and then towards the end you hear them roar and it's like things are about to pop off and then when that escalates into to what we end up seeing obviously damon and rhaenyra in the tent um and then it going in to Eamon One-Eye's story of conquering Vagar. Vagar looked so That was good. the best part. That was the best part of the whole of the whole episode. I literally just was like, wow. Like mouth open almost. Uh I I for well, it's a, a huge deal. I mean, it's a huge deal in the spectacle of it. It was gorgeous. I thought it was epic. So, so, so yeah. epic. What um, and then the scene of him claiming Vagar too get tied in you know, it really was like, I guess, the meat and potatoes of the, of the episode and the ramifications mm -hmm. of it was huge. Everybody yeah. stand, everybody sort of realizing what just happened yeah. with. I mean, Al, I don't think Allison really sort of put it in her mind until she had that conversation with Otto Hightower. She's thinking she blew it and Otto goes, oh, no, no, no. Now I know that you're legitimately a player here. Right. Yeah. It's and like she's earned her keep back with him since being sent off. And who did they kill at the end? I think it was just that other guy in the room. It was you no, know, it was the guy that Damon ran up and twisted his neck. I believe it was. I don't. Oh think right, he yeah, he snapped yes. some guy's neck. He yeah. snapped that guy's neck, um, and they put him in the fire. And uh, yeah, do you think Damon knows that he's alive? He has to. Yeah, yeah, and that's why Damon said he said, "I need a death that has a witness." Oh, and, you're right. And he yes. said that. So this was all very well planned out. And it actually is. It's good for Rhaenyra because if Rhaenyra had just done this after saying you're a good and honorable man, it'd be pretty hard to be team black at all at that point, even though Allison obviously came into her own as, in my opinion, an, an antagonist in this episode. It would be very hard 
after seeing Rhaenyra and Lainor's uh, scene, which I thought was really good. I really, really like those two on screen together. This uh, actor for Lainor did a wonderful job. Um, Are we, so, I mean, yeah. Is he going to come back? I mean, that's what's the maybe. They could, they could, they could mess with, they could mess with this now. Um, I don't think they will. I think that's probably the last time we see him um, just because there's so much other stuff, but if they decide to change and expand things, yeah, we could possibly see him again. Um, yeah. And I thought uh comment here too, by Noel. Uh, I thought this too. I said it mm -hmm. during the live stream. Yeah. The, the parallels right to Robert Baratheon with Joffrey and Arya and Sansa. Yes. And the, and the butch and the butcher's boy. It was very, very, very similar. Dude. What about whenever Allison goes, Kristen Cole, you are sworn to me. And then everyone kind of looks at him like, wait, what do you mean? Like they don't know the deal. And he goes to protect you. And he knows he's like, I can't, right. there's no way we're both dead. And, yeah. uh, Man, I thought that was a really cool scene. It gives a little bit more of a balance to, uh, you know, Crispy Cole. Uh, it mm -hmm. made me feel differently about him just for a split second. Barely a moment because <laughs> I still think he's a jerk. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought that whole scene was like peak A Song of Ice and Fire, not just even Game of Thrones, but like peak A Song of Ice and Fire. That just tension with a knife. Uh, this is probably my favorite episode. I thought it felt heavy and it felt like a, a real winner. Uh, out of all the first seven episodes, this is the one that delivered. I think we slowed down a good bit, too, which was nice. Yes. And, you know, Miguel at the end, he kind of does this when he directs episodes for some reason. He likes that that big, sharp avalanche towards the end. But with this one, I didn't feel like the timing or the pacing of the end, like last episode, was rushed. I thought it was fine. Um, I think Lanor being on the boat at the end saves it, to be honest with you. If he had just been dead, I think it would have been terrible and not terrible as in like bad quality but like it would have just been too much death week to week um so yeah i loved it i love the uh aesthetic of the episode it being such a cool tone and you're right the music matched so well and even Eamon's like i got a little bit of that fantasy like wonder whenever i saw Eamon riding the dragon and then when he lays down the line from the books where it's like i we lost an eye but we gained a dragon and then Otto putting that over as in like, we just got the biggest dragon in, in the potential war to come. Like you have no idea what we've just secured. And yeah. Like, you didn't just oh. get any dragon. You got, you got Vagar, which is essentially the second most powerful dragon ever. She looks so cool. <laughs> so cool. And they did such a good job of just showing you the sheer scale size of it. And I said this during the episode too, real quick. And I know it's totally different with Vagar because Vagar is absolutely enormous. But uh, I feel like we got to give Daenerys and Jon Snow a little credit. In that they're raw they're riding those dragons. They're raw dogging. They, they don't need a saddle. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, they just hop on. Hey. Even the Night King. Even the Night King. You know, he doesn't need a saddle. Hey, you you go with the Dothraki for a, for a little summer. You know, you come back a changed woman. That's all I'm going to say. All right. You go to yeah. one Dothraki wedding, you never see a saddle again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it is definitely, you know, gotta oh. give gotta give some credit where where some credit some credit is due. Um, what do you think about the scene with Otto and Allison where I think oh. she's beginning, she's she's kind of realizing, hey, this is it's it's time to start playing the game. And this was the first time we've ever referred to them as the Greens. The Greens. Yes. I, I love that. Um, you know. Allison's an interesting case in this episode because the, her reaction, I think, is a motherly reaction. Like, I know my mom used to defend me when I was wrong 
all the time. <laughs> so I, I get it. Also, Viserys calling her Emma at the beginning of the episode <laughs> was brutal. Big deal. But then, like, you know, she she goes to Otto. She's just like, I screwed up. And then Otto's like, no, we can play now. We got the nuke. We got we got the biggest nuke in Vagar. And for him to kind of be like, now just take care and listen to me. Like, it feels like Otto's in the driver's seat now as he's been, like, playing from a distance. And it was a really cool uh, piece in that family scene where it shows Otto looking on and Damon also looking on. And it's, like, been the outsiders who have been cast out of King's Landing and have come back now. And it's just a really good comparison of kind of, like, the X factors for each side. So I thought that whole scene is up there with any of the best scenes that I've seen on Westeros TV. Um, yeah, just good. It's yeah. really good. Somebody asked a question. What happens to sea smoke? And well, um, we'll see. You will see. Yeah. You, I was trying to remember exactly. I was just like, which dragon is it? Because it, in the war to come, and I, this is, a, it's going to be one of the funniest things to see. And it's, you know, won't be until like season two, but this isn't super spoiler there comes a there comes a moment in the dance of the dragons where they're trying to get more dragon riders and so they're just on dragonstone being like okay well clearly there has to be a bunch of valyrian blood on this island because targaryens <laughs> you know we've slept around and everything so they literally just start pulling people to try to see who can actually ride some of a, I cannot wait for that. It's gonna like be, just get like, on, just see what happens, just, just see what happens, and then they're gonna do the die and be like, okay, well, next, you know, like <laughs> it's gonna be so. It's like bull so riding when you're a couple and shots. I was trying to remember, I was like, is Sea Smoke one of those dragons? No, that's not. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Sea Smoke's a great name for a dragon. Uh, I laughed. Speaking of laughing, I laughed out loud whenever Lenor walks in and goes, "Is everyone all right?" Oh my god! <laughs> and his kids have like tissues stuffed up their nose. There's Valyrians. Uh, y'all, so... he's so daft. I mean, there's just like no, there's just no way to. Um, when Amond says to Aegon, talking about Helena, she'll be your queen one day. Yeah, yeah. Also, I didn't catch because I didn't have closed captioning on. I need to go back and listen to the words she was saying when she was whispering to old spider bro before mm -hmm. she like put the shell on top. Um, I need to actually go and uh, and listen, listen to exactly back. what she was saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always I always have to do a second watch because uh, I'm doing I'm doing the watch party. But then typically uh, yeah. Mondays or or Tuesdays, depending, you know, what football games on uh, <laughs> is when I do my when I do my rewatch. Yeah, my first watch is always with my wife, and uh, you know I'm usually answering questions while taking notes for this. So like sometimes <laughs> right. I stuff. And I was like, man, when Helena was talking, I'm like trying to stress to hear, but I don't want to like fumble with the closed captioning. So we're gonna have to go back and definitely pay attention to her her dialogue with the spider in a shell, which is also interesting uh, imagery. Yeah. So Al let's talk about Allison's outburst a little bit because. That's kind of a game changer from the books uh, to, to have that in front of everyone. And she cuts Rhaenyra with the Valyrian seal dagger. And Rhaenyra sort of looks at the fire and then looks at the blade. And the glyphs are, are lighting up and it's like, right. Oof. And then later she's talking about, you know, we're we were born of fire and all of that. I mean, that, is, you know, when she says now everyone sees you for what you are. 
that was to me is like the power that was we saw that in like all the trailers mm -hmm. but to actually see it was yeah and it's one of those things where like like i don't watch the week aheads and stuff because i like just got getting surprised but even knowing that moment was coming it still like caught me off guard because I was so in the scene. Like I wasn't, I wasn't waiting for something. I was just living in the moment whenever that, that was all going on. Um, yeah. I thought it was absolute peak peak Westeros TV. And what do you, uh, Damon in this episode as well, very much just sort of hanging back, viewing everything. He chuckles during his yeah cousin, his cousin wife's, uh you know <laughs> the funeral and then you know like immediately following that he's you know that's game of thrones for you folks right you're at your you're at your wife cousin's funeral and you hook up with your niece that's, that's, just, that's, that's <laughs> you're either in west virginia it. or you're in westeros we have exactly <laughs> i could say that guys i was i'm from west virginia i can say that i, I used to live there um yeah, Damon is such an X factor. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about how they cut the scene of him embracing his daughters last week and how they wish he would have left it in. And I think the probably one of the reasons why is because they looked at all the footage that they had and they were like, this probably doesn't line up to his actions later in the season. That, that's my opinion. And maybe he's going to have a more sympathetic moment later that they want to have a lot of weight in. And seeing this episode, I think it would have been a little weird because he doesn't even really do interact too. with his daughters here. Right. So I don't know what's going to happen with that relationship with his daughters. I'm very curious to see, but I think as an audience, we want to like Damon, but we have to accept the fact that this is a man that murdered his wife. Like, yeah, he bashed her skull with a rock. So like how, yes, how likable can he actually be? I don't know. In Westeros, maybe very, I'm not, I'm not sure. And Rhaenyra does ask him about it. And he, you know, says we were happy enough, which I think mm -hmm. is about as good as you can get for Damon, except for now that, they're secretly married. I mean, I didn't I didn't think we were going to get to that for maybe another episode or two. Yeah. And I think that there is some sort of implied time gap there. Um, at least I took it that way that it could have been maybe a week or so, because I'm sure Lanor didn't just shave his head and then get on a boat. I'm sure it was a process, but I'm not totally sure. Um, uh, Books of Bangus Khan says, I couldn't believe how much things were escalating during the kids fighting. That was so tense since I had no clue what was going to happen. Yes, as people who are going into this blind, no pun intended for Eamon, um, that scene had to be so tense because I know what was happening and I still felt it. Also, the kids did a great job in that scene. Sometimes, you know, this isn't a Gladriel do dodging swords. You know what I'm saying, Matt? Like, it's not... <laughs> It's not a Gladriel action scene. It actually looked no. good even oh with God. the kids. I was very impressed. It did. It did. Yeah. So I was just uh, I was pulling up the the wiki, which is uh, you know this is uh, Fire and Blood as well as Ice, World of Ice and Fire. In 120 AC, at the age of 39, Damon married again. This time to his niece Rhaenyra. At the age of 23, um, the marriage was performed suddenly without the knowledge of King Viserys the First Targaryen, mm -hmm. and was scandalous since neither Lena nor uh, Lainor you know, had been dead for, had been dead for six months. So, yeah. <clears throat> and we know, uh, D Damon seems to be on the outs still with Viserys. And I'll be honest, that scene actually got my heartstrings a little bit at the beginning of the episode when Viserys is trying to make peace and Damon has none of it and walks away. I was like, God, there's something about those two on screen that when they're together, I just, I want them to get along. <laughs> yeah. How many, so my, I think, 
I, I think just looking at the, some of the events that are about to come, I think we're probably going to 120. So right now we're at about 120 AC. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there is a little bit of an age up in the next episode. So I think next we're going to be about 126 AC seems to be somewhere some mm-hmm. more of the events. So I think that seems about right. And then the kids will have aged up just a little bit. I have a pretty good feeling of where we're going to end, uh, but I, I won't spoil it for the non-book readers. Uh, all I can say is the last three episodes are going to be gasoline. Um, the acting this episode really got me. Like it got me super invested. Like I, I'll be honest, I had kind of forgotten about the younger cast now. Like it only took two episodes, and I appreciate them and all the work they did. But like we're good, we're good, and slowing you down mean, a little bit is going to help. I guess which which younger cast are we talking? Millie, about? Millie, and uh, and everyone. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well yeah, I, I I don't know. It's different because we were with them for so long, and then we had this young core for two episodes yeah. but then you know we also had like a younger lanor and, and so but yeah we've had it, the cast is huge the cast for the show yeah. is enormous the fact that they've actually been able to cast so consistently and everyone doing a really nice job is impressive like you know you're bound to miss on one of them uh i wasn't sure how i felt about Eamon's acting until he delivered his big line and i thought that was excellent i was very impressed like there was a point where he was on uh, Vagar and he was like, whoa. And I was like, OK, like I'll <laughs> back there, Disney. Like, come on, relax. But, you know, he ended up, you know, him pulling himself on the saddle, claiming the dragon. It, it did work. And so he did a good job. Kid actors can be hit or miss. You know what I mean? But these kids kicked the shit out of each other. And it was awesome. I thought they all did great for especially it's harder with Rhaenyra's sons. It's a little bit harder because. I, they're just not sort of to the dance of dragons as iconic as they're strong and, and, right yeah they are strong yes <laughs> and wow you know we can talk about that i'll talk about that in a second too the fact that they just flat out confirm that because that's even in the books never it's always a suspicion alluded to it's never like officially stated that they're that but Rhaenyra, i mean flat out says that that's the case in in these episodes today was huge yes we'll get to that real quick but i definitely think the uh, Allison's kids, Amond, Helena, and Amond, I thought they were great for the for the two episodes that we that we got them. Aegon, I already hate, so he's <laughs> dude. He delivered he's, that line. He's Just, gonna be perfect for his role. He was uh, Amond was good. I thought he was good last week and good this week. And Helena. Um, God is just already gearing you up for what her character will be going forward. That's all I really want to say about that. Um, they're actually diving much deeper into the whole her being a seer, yeah, which she's a dreamer, actually, and being a dreamer, which actually makes her character so much better. That's without spoiling, but it makes it better. It makes Way it better. better. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I it's have going to be it's going to be great television. Yes. Good and bad. That's all. Yeah. And, and another thing with that is like, will she have any dreams that relate now to the dagger, which was brought up again in this episode in a very subcontext way with the glyphs and Rhaenyra seeing that. And, you know, I just I wonder what they're going to do to play with that. I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, you mentioned how good the kids have been. And I thought Aegon had one of the best lines in the entire episode. And it was the way that Miguel set it up and the way he shot it is whenever Viserys goes, where did you hear this, Aegon? And he just looks around and he goes, everybody knows that. Like, everybody yeah. knows. And it's just like this moment where they it, the camera cuts and it's Rhaenyra and the boys and then Corliss is standing behind. And it's like the direct contrast between Corliss and the boys. And you're just like, ah, everyone knows Viserys. 
like everybody knows it. And yeah. uh, he delivered that line though. They uh, kid playing Aegon delivered it so well. Yeah. Oh no, that line that line was great. That whole scene and honesty was great because Aemon just sort of looks at Allison and then Viserys kind yeah. of realizes maybe Allison isn't as trustworthy or as good as I thought. Then he goes to Aegon. Aegon says that just yeah. as you said. And the, the tension of and the importance of that scene is huge because everything that sort of comes out of it is just massive. Yeah. The scene too where Lenor is talking to Rainey's and she he's talking about no, it's names that matter. He's like, I don't even care if they're my actual blood or not. Yeah, and their 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 chemistry on screen from getting along to joking to now this and fighting has been outstanding. Rainey's at the end really sold Lenor's death. Um you know, unfortunately, first she'll never know. Um, but yeah, Rain Rainey's really brought it. That actress is doing a fantastic job. What a dude, what about Laris just casually threatening to kill children for Allison? Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here comes old drag along, just <laughs> which is ca is causing me to believe that there are gonna be moments later that where you know it's a civil war, all hell breaks loose, everybody has a like hundreds of kids so there's gonna be <laughs> just so you know so going forward so much like game of thrones there's gonna be a lot of deaths coming forward uh to characters we haven't even met yet so uh, you know yeah. just, with trying to keep it as spoiler free as possible but there's always like suspicion and mysterious events you know circum surrounding a lot of these events because the histories are told to us through two sort of opposing yeah ambiguous like points of views and so we don't necessarily know, but now it seems like they're going to be. No, I think Allison's going to be pulling the trigger on some of those. And I do think that there's a lot of things that we need to keep track of here in season one as as an audience, because they are going to be calling back to this season for things that happen in season two, three, maybe even four. So we have to keep an eye on these things like Laris and what he's saying. What is Helena whispering? And you can actually see that evidence even here. You know, a lot of people said, oh, the bronze bitch and Damon killing her like, you know, that was why did they even include it? It was so fast. But now we're like, oh, he gets that big inheritance, which he then uses to pay off Carl and also send with Lanor. So, like, we're actually getting mileage out of a lot of the stuff that people felt like was kind of glanced over. It's actually still getting cashed out for a good payout. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where these little details end up, uh, knowing what's coming and some of the stuff that's shrouded in mystery. We're going to get a. Uh, we're going to get the keys of the castle when it comes to the, to the answers. It's going to be wild. Do we think uh, do we think the pace is going too fast? So yeah. I know we ask, ask that every week, but sometimes it's like, man, the jumps because now we're about to jump again. Yeah, but it's such a smaller jump. And like, I, I'm actually totally OK with this one. Uh, I think this episode was probably again. I think this is probably the best one. Um, but overall, I think that this pacing of this episode matches the rest that I didn't feel were rushed last week. It just was a little too much at the end of the episode for me. So, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good with the pacing. Uh, we have this uh, little time jump where we're going to age the kids up, but the kids are going to take on such a more substantial role. And now we have the groundwork of, of their beefs, right? And it's sad because we saw their parents' toxicity go into their relationships as kids. They got along before, you know, it's sad. So now that we have all of this history and backstory, the adult actors are going to be able to really deliver for the kids. And I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, you know, we're also beginning to see, and it's been there over the course of the season so far, that I know we we sort of view this whole thing as blacks greens two sides. Yeah, there really are 
more factions yes out there and more people that have their own sort of agenda and while that sometimes aligns with the blacks it could sometimes align with the greens game of thrones is a little bit easier i think to follow because there's actually tons of factions and everyone is just in it for themselves mm-hmm. whereas here it's just like okay we just have blacks greens whose side are whose side are you on corliss and rainies you know at first okay well they're with damon who sort of felt like he was his own piece of the puzzle. It felt like Rhaenyra, Allison. Okay, and now, well, now Damon is with Rhaenyra, so there, so that sign is now solidified. But you have Corliss out there, who seems like eh, maybe he's now going to his own his own direction. Those aren't necessarily his grandkids, and he just lost his son and his daughter. Yeah, at least he thinks he lost his son. Poor guy. Right. And they have dragons, but they also have the most powerful fleet in the world. So right. there's such an important free agent floating out there in the market and the deadline's coming up. We got to get them signed, yeah. Matt. He does. Hey, he does have grandchildren, though. And those grandchildren from Damon's line are now on team black. Mm-hmm. So they're at least bound there. Yes. yes. And you have Lara Strong out there who seems like he's kind of. He, I mean, he's, hey. working for Al- he's working for Alicent, but at the same time, I feel like, I don't know, man, he might have his own agenda that I think is going to get explored a lot further. Yes, uh, for sure. And, you know, he he does own Hall now, which he skipped his father and brother's funeral to be near the queen because they kind of mentioned like, you know, uh, Jay says to Rhaenyra, like, we should be at Sir Harwin's funeral. And she's just like, we can't. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I, I posed this to you earlier in the week on our on our on our Facebook chat, Jimmy. And I'm actually I'm working on like a YouTube short TikTok version of it right now as well. But there is a theory out there and this is sort of a show only theory. But I okay. guess in theory, it, but even in theory of this theory, it could exist in <laughs> the books. OK, they Kristen Cole and Rhaenyra hook up. We see it. She's then given the Westerosi, you know, plan B, otherwise known as moon tea. Okay. Yes. Some people have been pointing out that Rhaenyra's two sons look different. And that one has more sort of straight hair and the other has more curly hair. Oh, no. <laughs> so Dude. there is a theory that, that is going out right now that Jaceris valerion who you know is supposed to be lane or valerion's son but might be harwin strong son could actually be Kristen cole's son now does the timeline work is, is jace 10 here because they jumped Jeez. 10 years right yeah well the show it makes even it could fit even more because they don't like specifically say he was born an x day okay so it could be a show only theory although it could work in the books. I mean, what do we think? I mean, if they it's it's just sort of funny because the scene where they're kind of first talking about their parentage, or at least with Kristen Cole and Harwin Strong results in them fighting each other. Oh, that's like something a father would do for a son. And then when Rhaenyra, this is in last week's episode, when Jace asks her, is Harwin Strong my father? She says, you're a Targaryen. That's all that matters. So a little ambiguous there. She she gives a non-answer. Yeah. I, my gut tells me that it's probably Strong's kid. Um, but but you're saying that you're saying they're all three are still. I think they're all strong. And we didn't see the we didn't see the baby. Oh yeah, we did not see Joffrey. Yeah, Joffrey. Yeah, yeah. 
which, you know, that name is never going to work out. (laughs) (laughs) It never does. Um, I would say it's probably not Krispies, um, but it would make for some pretty good drama if it was. I, I just think it's it, I think it could be very interesting. Who knows? It could be a show thing. That ends thing up, yeah. Although it could still happen in the books. Yeah. And we'll never get that answer. Most likely. Right. For for any of the questions that we have for fire and blood, most likely will never be answered unless if they tie into the main series, because George is never going to fill in the gaps. I don't think, you know. No, for <laughs> for all those all those histories. Yeah, he'll leave it ambiguous. Which is part of the fun. Um, well, maybe I know. I know how. I know Fire and Blood Part Two is supposed to a lot of covers, but it could it could come back and tie up information. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be wild. Uh, someone said Daron is in the intro if you pay attention. Interesting. Oh, was he? Four Bloodlines. Nice. Very cool. I've watched uh, plenty of the intro breakdowns and I still don't know if I fully get it, nor do I know if I care. I just like the music. <laughs> I turn my TV up the max volume when that hits like it's 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 on. I mean, every the, Sunday night, Christmas, it's crazy. Oh, it's sweet. Yeah. And during the and during the well, uh, the watch party, we were talking about whether or not we still like the this intro. You know, do we do we like this or the map? I think I still prefer the map. Yeah, the map um, is the map is iconic. <clears throat> You, you, you so can. Jace, right? Valerion, aka Jace Targaryen, Jace Strong, uh, as in the books, is born in 114 AC. Okay. I don't think that the timeline matches then, right? I don't think the timeline matches. No, I don't think so. But I hate to put, I hate to throw a fire extinguisher at a great fun now in the in the books it could in the air in the show it could still totally work it's just sort of interesting because we specifically it would add even more weight to the like moon tea and whether she drinks it or not oh definitely and then you have the scene with chris and cole where he specifically is saying oh that's something like a father would show in a son yeah it would definitely if if so it would make it would make it so much better it would be wild um, yeah. that they that they had that much subtlety working into it, especially with those lines. I would be very impressed. Um, I wonder if book fanatics would be upset, probably. Uh, but I, I mean, I would have no issue with it. I think it'd be fun as long as the timeline lines up, as long as the timeline lines up. You can't skip years or retcon anything, but I don't right. think they would. So I, and I think it could be ambiguous enough where they could put off in the show, possibly. Yeah, because there, there are even there are even show only theories for Game of Thrones that I thought mm-hmm. were that were very cool and interesting. There's um, uh, G- uh, Gendry sort of mentions that he remembers seeing his mother once and she had blonde hair. And uh, I, I, when he's talking to Ned, I think it was when he's talking to Ned in season one, like talking about what he remembers of his mother or he's talking, he's talking or he, at some point he's talking about what he remembers of his mother. And she worked in like a tavern or not like worked in a tavern, but she, he saw her in a tavern or something. And there's like, and then you go back to when Cersei was talking to Robert and talks about like, well, we had a kid that died. That's not even at all in the books, right? Yeah. So kind of a show only theory that Gendry might have actually been actually Cersei be Robert's Cersei's. only legitimate kid, which yeah, is like Cersei was like, we Cersei was like, I need to get rid of him because of Jamie. 
Yeah, and it's cool because even without being confirmed, like you could just make that your head cannon, and it, it exactly could, it could work, right? right. So we're gonna get right, a lot right. of that here, I think. Right, I yeah. think already yeah. just because the show is different, and the the exciting thing about this is, I think it also made Game of Thrones the final few seasons of Game of Thrones were exciting because nobody knew what was going to happen with the books, mm-hmm. not out yet, and so we still view some of those things, and we because George yeah. Martin has come out and said some of those things will happen. And some of those things will not happen. Well, yeah. here. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's so interesting because we kind of know the general framework of the show, but mm-hmm. we don't know all the, the fine details. So we don't. And the, the sources are these opposing views. So when we get things like we got today with <laughs> him living with uh, Lenore Valerian living, that's like it's so awesome and it works and we had comments in here too where people were saying it's just a great way to even keep book that's right readers like super excited yeah and they've done a lot for us book readers like in this season that to maybe even a detriment to the casual audience at some points um but the fact that you know there was a lemon tree behind laris when he talked to allisant and they were talking about a tree growing where it shouldn't and it's like a kind of a nod to lemon gate like just like little things right. like that you know they're really rewarding the book readers as well as still carrying along the casual readers for the ride. So this show is striking a really nice balance and it was nice to see it rebound after uh, last week where people felt it was a little bit jarring with how fast they move. I do believe um, don't be surprised if there's a drop off in viewership this week, because I do believe there'll be some people who drop from the actors switch, but also the big NFL game happened tonight. Yeah, There's a huge, yeah, it's, it's, still, a huge going, it's still going on right now. Although yeah, it's a so, blowout. So I have it. I've I've actually well, had it. I've had I've had it right here. 38-17. <laughs> Kansas yeah, City. That's a blowout. It's a blowout. I mean, I don't know. Are I, guess, I just I don't know. I think that sometimes sometimes it seems sometimes it may seem like you know things are down, but they got Tom Brady. It's kind of like the Greens. Hey, things aren't looking our favor. We got Vagar. Vagar is the Tom Brady of the <laughs> is, is, is the is the Tom Brady. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of a drop-off in viewership this week, but I don't think it's going to be an alarming thing. I mean, the fact that 29 million people are watching this week-to-week is absolutely flabbergasting. So, Yeah, I was um, trying to look this up here. Somebody uh, posted it. In Fire and Blood, Rhaenyra marries Lanor after giving birth and giving birth to Jace. Both happen in 114. 114 AC, yeah. Interesting. So yeah, have to dig it into could it. work. We have to dig into it a little more because the timeline with Crispy is, I don't think ironed out. And also we don't know what happened with Kristen Cole and Rainier in the book. It's very like, they don't know what happened, like whether he was spurned or what it was like, there's two conflicting accounts. So it's very open for interpretation of how their, their uh, relationship ends up in the books. Obviously the show, we got it. Like we know in the show, what we can say is Canon. So, um, uh, another thing that I've been seeing, uh, some people talk about, and this is a, a sort of visual thing. 
because people were I saw even in Game of Thrones, the Twitter and HBO as well has been putting out images and they showed the same. There's actually you can look at them almost side by side. And they're very identical. The shot of Daenerys landing on Dragonstone, walking up and the shot of Rhaenyra looking up at Dragonstone. And it's like mm. in the exact same spot, the exact same. The there's like this smoky hue. It's because the volcano is still active on Dragonstone at this time period in history is why is why but even in king's landing and everything that's why they're they're cho they're choosing that aesthetic well the only one i saw was a direct comparison of dragonstone and house of the dragon and dragon let me see if i can find, let me see if I can find that photo in that in that comparison people were wondering why it was so smoky and some people were complaining on like reddit and people pointed out that hey the volcano and dragonstone was active at this time so it actually should have been smoky basically uh someone was able to pull in an exact passage about dragonstone and the way it's shot in House of the Dragon is like verbatim what it was supposed to look like with the with the smoke type, almost like a fog. So I actually I, I thought that the House of the Dragon rendition of Dragonstone was actually better for that. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it. Um, I've just seen I have I, I did see some people talking about it on Twitter this week. Like, why is everything so why is everything so smoky? Because sometimes shows when they're trying to film like something that's older sometimes they'll use like a little bit of like a sepia yeah. tone or something to try and establish uh yeah. like amazon for whatever reason loves to use that like blue filter <sighs> over things it's like in the boys it's like especially like season one and two it's like everywhere it's like what is i don't know it's but like so it's a visual aesthetic i remember in like wonder woman uh there's a moment where they do that it's where chris pine's talking <clears throat> about like his mission or whatever and they cut to this like you know it's like, it takes place in world war um world war one but it's so he's talking about like this mission he was on and they just use this like ultra sepia tone and i hate it and it throws me out of it and but here i guess i don't really mind the smokiness well it. yeah and i do think the smokiness is only a dragonstone i don't think it's happening at king's landing uh, I still feel like he, I still feel like we kind of we kind of see it, but it could just be a visual thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I saw was the comparison that was getting passed around on Twitter and Reddit. Um, and then people just explain, like actually pulled the passage from the books that describes Dragonstone. And it was like exactly as it was, which was pretty dope. OK, we had a. um we had a super chat, did we not? A little while yes, ago. Yes, we did. It's from our uh, good friend. I think it's Vagar, right? Vagarian. Okay. When Luke said, I don't want it, I got triggered. Dude, when that happened and then there was a super dark scene, I was like, man, there's some people from season eight that are going to be very upset with this episode. I actually looked at my wife and I said, people are going to be mad about that. They're going to be mad. But what about whenever he said, if I if I own Driftmark, that means everyone's dead. Yeah. Good follow-up line to that, right? I thought that was great line to deliver from a child because sometimes kids see things for what it is, and when they deliver that truth, like that kid's truth, it like hits way different than if an adult were to say it. And I thought that was one of those moments. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and he says it to Corliss too. Yeah, and then Corliss, uh, hey, both of his kids are dead. So both of his yeah, both of his kids are dead. Not a great look for house valeria on this episode no. guys uh, i'm gonna be honest not looking good uh no things are not looking good for house valerian but they, he did have a good idea to sort of marry the house marry jace to um mm -hmm. uh, damon's kids yeah yeah and uh we'll see if rainus is still going to be uh down with that 
Yeah. Not. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, let's talk a little bit about the marriage. I thought that that was a really cool scene with them on the island uh, or, or wherever they were on the beach, I should say. And they've got like, the headdresses and they cut the lips to sort of bond their blood. That's the old Valerian way of doing things, right? Mm-hmm. That's the old Valerian uh, wedding ritual. So that was pretty dope to see. Um, and like I believed them. Like getting married, like I felt like it made sense. And it's crazy to think that Rhaenyra's scenes with Damon were with a totally different actress. Because I still felt that connection. Like it, it actually did feel like time had passed and they were still the same people. So I thought it was a good success. Yeah. Um, okay. Predictions for next week. Of course, you um, didn't watch you didn't watch the preview. I've now kind of forgotten exactly even what I I'll saw. say what I'm excited for. I'm excited to see these new actors and i want to see some moxie out of aim in one eye now because he the kid delivered that line and now the next time we see him it's got to be really epic uh not like doing something epic maybe but like he just needs to have some impact on the screen so i'm excited to see that i want to see if viserys looks any more awful uh <laughs> yeah i mean he's scabbing up he looks terrible and then i want to see what happens with corliss and Rainus. um i wonder if we'll see him next episode i hope we do because like we said their house took an absolute whomping they got molly whomped this week so we, we got to see their their plans where they're scheming where their loyalties lie like you said they're an x factor and they're a third side to this equation so I, i'll be excited to see where they end up putting the valerians yeah i'm excited to see Otto Hightower back as Hand of the King, which you know was a was a moment we saw today. He didn't really get that much screen time in today's episode, but it was very important. The little bit of screen time he had, just a lot of sort of looks and glances. Uh, really, him and Damon almost you can see as like we're like the chief architects of yep. each of the sides, staring each staring each other down. So I think we will get a lot more of him next week because. Mm-hmm. He'll now be older. We'll be as we get a little bit of a time jump. The lines will have been drawn a bit more, and I think he's going to be a big part of of next week counseling Allison as she begins to sort of turn into, I guess, the Green Queen. The Green Queen, yeah, the Green Queen, man, yeah. And Otto is someone that we still have a wealth of quality to get from, from acting wise. Like, I think he's going to have some major, major, major scenes. Uh, everything's been limited, impactful so far, but very limited. And I think going into the dance, like that actor has a chance to really blow us away. Yeah, as this, as this. Uh, every time I see Coralus Valerian, I think he's. So I feel cool. like we need so much more. <laughs> Yeah, Steve. So every time, every time I see him, I feel like we just need we need so so much more. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Um. All right. Let's dive into the chat here and just uh take some questions. See what we got going on here. Now that we see Otto is playing his own game, I'm very curious about his decision to tell the series about Reina, uh, Rhaenyra, and Damon. Yes. Yeah, and. It'll be interesting to see Viserys's reaction to Damon and Rhaenyra getting married um, without his permission. Yeah. Do you think he's going to do you think he's just going to flat out like we're going to see him renounce Rhaenyra? We'll have to see. Um, They're going to have to dress it on screen. They're going to have to. So uh, we'll see. I mean, Viserys seems like he's kind of fed up a little bit. He's getting a little fed up. He's starting to stay. And Damon sort of spurns him again a little bit. That's right. Which is just a dumb 
move. <laughs> Not Sometimes I'm like, Damon, why are you doing like, <laughs> why? why, 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 why? Well, Patrick says, uh, do you expect the story to flesh out Damon more? I was hoping for more of a Jamie Lannister fleshing out of Damon. Oh uh, yeah. It's season one. You know, we got a long time with Damon left. So I, I think uh, there's no doubt that he'll he'll be fleshed out more. I expect to have a larger sympathetic moment for him probably later down the road. Yeah. With the pace we're going. I'm beginning to think this show might be three seasons. And that's it. Well, it's going to slow down a lot in season two, um, because yeah. if you look at to. even like the page <clears throat> percentage of like what they're going to cover totally for the whole show, um, you know, th this prelude that we're getting through in season one is only like 20, 25 percent of the page count, I think. So we have a lot to go uh, when it, and especially when it comes to flushing out some of these things. So I think season two is going to be much. I don't want to say slower, but much more methodical. Right. So now that we're I guess, is it too early to start talking about some of the things we will see in season two? Yeah, I don't think I guess we can. I, I, I think we I think I can talk a little bit about it because I was just sort of reading again and thinking about some of the big, big players, because right now we're very focused. It's pretty much just focusing on House Targaryen, House Hightower are pretty much our two main, main focuses. But in season two of this show, you begin to ex you, will, you will begin to explore more of the realm at at large hmm. but i almost feel like the season two trailer i feel like they're going to introduce some characters a little bit earlier than we than they, they play a part i can in, see that i'm almost 100 percent sure that the trailer for for season two is going to introduce craig and stark yeah i think the starks will have a much bigger role in season two for sure and and i think the starks are going to have a much bigger role in the dance of the dragons at least like what we see yeah. from them then yeah, i can see that because th the starks pretty much are like ridiculously important at the end of this whole thing uh you know without trying to spoil spoil too much they're just they towards the end of the towards the end of this story they become like almost one of they almost become the biggest like player but i almost feel like we're going to get introduced to that and i think we're going to see a little bit more of the realm as as well i think we'll probably see the eerie in season two mm -hmm. yeah i think if you're a show only watcher and you're kind of missing some of the more um the scope of game of thrones i do think that if you hold on that you will start to see some of your other favorite houses that are going to come into play and you are going to get much more of a westeros uh, story um, less so King's Landing uh, as we go forward, even though the central conflict is always in the capital uh, for the most part. So, you know, there's a lot to look forward to for people who are maybe hoping that it'll kind of like expand out and you really want to see the Starks and whoever else. Um, I think that there's uh, there's some good stuff coming. Yeah. in the trailer for in the next week, yeah, Damon uh, stole a dragon egg. Oh, for next next episode, the trailer. Yes. OK, cool. Yes. In the, cool. in, the, in, the in the trailer for for next week let me pull hmm. up twitter too and see what everyone uh what the response is over there yeah th so last week i came out of it kind of feeling like okay like i know there's going to be some criticisms for this one because like so much happened and I, I was trying to get feel get a pulse for how i felt about it but this is an episode wherever i walked away and started coming up here to do this reaction uh that i will i'm solidified that i really love this episode um, I would assume that the reception for it is going to be pretty strong. Could see some of the people who think the show's moving too slow, which is a thing. 
could maybe feel <laughs> that it's it's you know a little too much uh dialogue but i thought it was absolutely excellent uh give me that family scene with the dagger anytime over like a battle i'll take that any day of the week i love dialogue like that oh the dialogue was great the yeah. dialogue i mean the dialogue is what made game of thrones as great as it was there's a literally a a statistic which shows the amount of speech we got per season and it just goes down and down oh, i remember you showing me that <laughs> yeah and it's it just kind of goes, like season six it's kind of like eh, it starts the tank yeah the writing's been really strong i thought it could have possibly been the strongest episode for writing uh episode seven so if, if episode four was my favorite before i think this could possibly top it so uh i feel i feel pretty good about it I'm still like, I want to go back and watch the kids fight again. And it, Eamon's eye injury was so gruesome. It made my skin crawl. Like when they show it sewed up, it looks like oh. the laces of a football. I'm like, oh my God. Here's a, uh, here's a shot of next week. <laughs> dude, Eamon, <laughs> one eye, dude. Let's also, look go. at, look at Aegon. He just looks like he's going to be such a, you dude, know, where do they keep finding these kids? That I don't so know, man. Ridiculously evil. Yeah, like their whole it lives. Looks like maybe it looks like maybe Viserys has died here, and Allison's like, well, you know, yeah, or maybe it's uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm very curious to see what happens. Um, I like that Otto looks a little bit older. Even Allison looks a little bit aged up here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Helena looking creepy. That's good. It's good. <laughs> like, what a dysfunctional family, dude. <laughs> not not wearing enough green. <laughs> we need and more you green. See, very specific with the, you know, the seven pointed mm -hmm. stars. I think uh, in that picture, Aegon was wearing green. It was just a very uh, dark green. He is. It looks yeah. it looks green. It's just it's just sort of hard to hard to yeah. tell. I don't know. They have like a, a, a factory where they pump out these kids that look that just dastardly. But man, they do not run out of them, do they? <laughs> no, the casting for this show has just been so good. Yeah. Here's another one. Let me let me get this one up here. Yeah, pull that up. Let's see it. Oh, yeah. What a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Eamon, like whenever we first introduced the kids, like it's it feels like Eamon is going to be like a very sympathetic case. And in some ways, he still kind of is. Um, but like you, you think Aegon's going to be the big terror. But even from like this picture, does it not feel like Aegon thinks he's the man? But Eamon's the one with the actual Aemon's definitely the power. Man. You know, it's Aemon's, yeah, it's a really good um, dynamic between the brothers. I love it. Yeah, and it's good. It's going to be great to see the on screen, the on screen, just back and forth that we get, and the tension that is going to just you mm -hmm. know build and build between Damon and Eamon. It's going to be so freaking good. Like I, I don't know this actor. I don't know. I don't know the guy who's playing Eamon. I don't know anything about him. But just looking at him and just what we've seen in the trailers, I just have a feeling that he and Matt Smith are going to have you know just epic chemistry on screen. Yeah. That's just going to that you're just going to tell at some point these two are just going to come to absolute you know blows. Yeah, and and Matt Smith has done a great job. I think uh, you know he's probably interacted with the most people of any of the cast members. Like he's been everywhere. He's been in scenes by himself doing action. Like Matt Smith is uh, probably the MVP for this show for me so far. So definitely, um, it'll be cool to yeah. see him interact with these kids. Yeah, and it's it's it sort of sucks because Patty Considine is so good. Oh, he's so good. And it's just like he's we were getting less and less of him, which is, you know, accurate and it's great and it's fine and everything. But he's just so good. That's it's 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 a great problem to have 
Yes. When pe- when when people are like, God, I wish we got more of each of these right here, man. These actors, oh, Mark man. Addy as Mark Robert Baratheon. So... We all wanted more, you know. Yeah. Um, they leave their mark. Yeah, I mean Millie Alcock. I mean, I mean, stole Tremendous. first six episodes. Tremendous. The show does um, feel a little little grown up now, doesn't it? It I like does. it. There's, I like that. Now, yeah. What do you think now that we're two episodes in with the with the the older uh, Allison and Rainier, Obviously, honestly, it feels like we've been with them for way longer than two weeks. Like I don't know. There, there, there's a there's a more of a heaviness to the show right now. Like a lot of that innocence seems gone. Like Rhaenyra had that like. No, she was young like she still had things to figure out and like life has just uh continuously tested her so i like the fact that the, it feels a little heavier uh and a little bit more adult now in the second half so uh you know thanks for all the uh the memories millie but i'm good with what we have now so um you know, but I think all the work that they did can't be praised enough because they were in a very hard situation where they had to tell like this a lot of story in five episodes and those actors and actresses delivered. But yeah, um, yeah now we're settling in with the main cast as of next week. Yeah, so. yeah just yeah, and the chemistry too between uh, Matt Smith and Emma Darcy is so good. Yeah. Like and it, and it was good with Millie too. Right. So, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy. But but their but their chemistry is just it works so well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so maybe la- uh, last little topic here. And we talked about it at the beginning of the show. I said, let's come back to it because I want to because I want to talk about it. The sort of song of ice and fire, bigger picture ramifications of Lanor Valerian being alive. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where what we're seeing in the show, we probably can't assume that it's book canon, right? Like it's probably not a good idea for us to think that because this does connect to the, to the main show. Now, Jamie, right? come on. <laughs> I just, I don't, <laughs> I think, I think mixing them up can be, can be tricky. I have to, I need to reread the entire section of fire and blood, but I feel like it was not really up for discussion that Lenor was alive, but like also it's a retelling. So who knows? You know what I mean? Like, it could, and then maybe that helps with some sort of Blackfire Rebellion in the future. It makes it more legitimate. Like, that could happen. The problem... <laughs> Shake said Lenor's the Night King. <laughs> the problem, though, is even if Mushroom and uh, Eustace. Whatever, Septim Eustace, who are our two accounts for what happened in in the books mm-hmm. the problem with that is they could both agree on something and it could still not be true that's right because it is it is just a historical thing and how would they know right right so i could sort of think about it as george martin and is more involved with this show and then he was the last one and i you're going still tinfoil go back. on me Hold on, I'm going. It's not tinfoil. If it comes from George, it's, it's. But we don't know if it did. It's Valyrian foil. It's the real deal, okay? <laughs> because I still go back to the episodes of Game of Thrones that George wrote, because he was able to include things and play with things, because he wrote four episodes of Game of Thrones. One of them is the episode where Arya is training with Cereal Pharrell when, um, 
God, what's his name? Not Boris Blunt. Uh, Marin Trant walks in. Mm-hmm. And what do we say to the God of Death? Not today. So that line is not in the book Game of Thrones. It is in the show Game of Thrones. And it was written by George Martin. So sh- what should we take from that? Canon, not canon. I mean, if J.K. Rowling can say... Can well, well, hold on. No, I mean, I'm mean, yeah, yeah. If, but if J.K. Rowling can go on Twitter and say, well, this is canon about Harry Potter and this is and like say all of these things that where she's like, this is canon to the stories that takes place outside of the the main book series. Why can't George Martin do it on the television show where he writes an actual episode of the thing? I hope he never goes on Twitter and starts changing lore because that would be <laughs> the only thing that might get me to revoke my fan card. I think I would just be like out. Uh but to your point, yes, he could be dropping hints for later things in the books for sure. I just have a hard time with mixing up book and show lore for the sole fact that like if it's not in the book, it's hard to point to it. Right. Like if, if you make an argument for a theory in the book and you have to then r- go to the television show like that, that you can. But it's it's a liability for the for the theory. Um, now, George writing the episodes definitely goes a long way. Uh, Cause it's not some, you know, it's not Arya killing the night King stupid. Right. So like, <laughs> right. like that's in the show, but like, obviously we know that that's not going to happen. George didn't George. Right. Didn't, yeah. di- didn't write that. Yeah. Nothing yeah, to cause, do with that so. yeah. Cause I'm trying to remember the episodes he wrote. I, he wrote, I know the, the two I know he wrote were the battle of the Blackwater, and he wrote the, it's like episode eight or something. Yeah. Or maybe it's like episode seven. It's wherever Arya has to escape and with Sirio Pharrell. Yeah, yeah. Because so a lot of people feel like things. he's still alive, Pe- or and you know the Jack and Hagar is Serial Pharrell, Jack and Hagar, Jack and like Hagar. there's that whole thing. Because right. why was Jack and Hagar in King's Landing dungeons? And there's a lot there to play with for sure. And the fact that George wrote the episode does make it very enticing. Um, I do agree with you that we can't for sure know. Like Septon, Eustace, and Mushroom don't know if Lainor actually you know died if that was really him. Um, I think the burning of the body, though, if I'm not mistaken, is not mentioned in Fire and Blood. I think it just said that he was slain by his his friendly sword or whoever. So I wonder. Um, if yeah, that could uh, it's, yeah. See here it says, and so this was so. There's definitely been some changes because in with the bronze bitch, uh, Emma, what's his whatever her name is, Rhea Royce, mm-hmm. Rhea Royce. Um, it, in Fire and Blood and World of Ice and Fire, they both say she dies. Well, she was out like hawking, hunting, and mm-hmm. she gets injured. And then Damon goes to see her and she dies while he visits her. Yeah, because she's up and feeling good for a while. Right. So that's like a that's a big departure, at least from this tiny little line. It's like that that that's definitely a changer here. It's, uh, and then the other one was um, Lenore's. Uh, whatever um, his sort of paramour that we saw in episode uh, where Kristen Cole beats him to death. Yeah. Joffrey. Yeah. Jo- jo- yeah. That is actually described as in, it says that happened at a tournament. Yes. It's in the tournament leading up to the wedding. Yeah. Right. So that, that, that was definitely a change. You know, that, that was definitely a yeah. change as well. So here, um, let me see, is this from world? Or is this from fire and blood uh, from fire and blood? Lenor was slain by his friends or Carl Corey. Uh, while attending a fair at Spice Town in 120 AC, uh, the merchants present uh, present reported that two men 
had been quarreling before Blades had come out. Septon Eustace insists that Carl had killed Lanor out of jealousy, believing that Lanor had become enamored of a new, younger male favorite. According to Mushroom, Carl had killed Lanor on behalf of Prince Damon, although there was no shred of proof for this. Yes, yeah, so that kind of does lead to maybe this, like this path, right? Right. And see, that's one of the things we have to look at is a lot of times, actually, more often than not, if you go back and look at some of the things that are being said, is a lot of times in Fire and Blood and World of Ice and Fire, Eustace will say, there's no proof of this. Because last yeah. week it was, right, and there's no proof of this, right? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But it, last week when Harwin Strong died, it actually mushroom had suggested that damon had done that too that's right that yeah. wasn't the case yeah you know and there's some people who actually like in the fandom that are like no like i i wish damon had done it and i'm like wow right i i actually liked what we got last week even more because it makes laris a little bit more interesting yeah um, the preview of episode eight already has more than a hundred thousand views yeah the show's successful i don't think it's we have anything to worry about yeah yeah as far as numbers yeah. go yeah yeah i wish we had and you and I, I wish we had screenshotted all the people who were like, this is so cringe. This, this is not going to fly. It's not going to you know, I have many, many YouTubers in the book sphere that I uh, coincide with that have talked so much smack about when's a winner never coming out that the day that that gets announced, it's it's all on war, folks. I'm going to be the most petty. Sir Jimmy is going to be very of house petty that day. Yeah, maybe all on it. You know, George, actually, I think he's been rather I think he's been rather quiet uh, to be. He was talking about Night of Cooters on his blog and everyone got mad again. I don't even know. I, he talks about that from time to time. I'm not entirely yeah. sure exactly. Night of Cooters is an adaptation, which is a terrible name. By right. The way. Night uh, of Cooters yeah. is not great. He talks and he talks now it's football season. So he definitely, you know, talks. He, you know, he talks about that. He did talk a little about House of the Dragon. Let me see. Yeah, then he did. Yeah, he hasn't said anything about wins in, in a in a bit. So, uh, you know, yeah, maybe after the Jets get eliminated in like three weeks, he'll. Well, I, I know they beat my Steelers today. Gosh dang it! <laughs> Sorry, they beat your Browns. So uh... they beat our Browns, and I lost <laughs> the Falcons. So yeah. right uh, there, there we go. Okay, awesome. All right, guys. Well, with that, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Um, we'll have this the audio version of this up uh, tonight. Uh, I always get it up every night um as soon as we finish right here i try to get it posted immediately and there'll be plenty of youtube videos and everything uh coming out from that as well so appreciate all of you guys who have been uh supporting us uh for that this whole thing it's been a ton of fun to do these live stream watch alongs with you mm -hmm. we do have a really good facebook group if you guys want to go over there for more content a lot of uh, long time listeners have been in here uh, in there and it's really active we're all, we're all in there having fun posting memes and everything we do have a patreon as well if you want to go check that out as well as uh, you can check us out uh, on apple premium tons of theories and everything that Ez, Ezra and I uh, have covered over the years. But now it's going to be great because Jimmy and I are going to get it. I'm going to get a re-dive through some of those theories and stuff, which is going to be fun. So Jimmy and I will be doing uh, diving into some of that stuff shortly as well. And I've been posting some TikTok, like detailed, just min mini theories as well on uh, the Bend the Knee TikTok and on YouTube as well. So you can certainly stay tuned for all of that. Jimmy, anything before we close? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a new era for Bend the Knee. This yeah. is our first official episode with me as a co-host. And honestly, I, I, I feel good. I'm feeling good. good. Yeah. And guys, be sure to check out Jimmy's YouTube channel, the Fantasy Network, because he's doing midweek breakdowns of the episodes, too. 
Yeah, it's something I do over there. And I, I talk a lot about, uh, you know, kind of the themes and also the feel from Fire and Blood uh, without spoiling anything. So if you guys want to come check that out, uh, these are always fun because they're just my super raw reactions. And then I get to think a little bit more about how it relates to the source material over there. So uh, and if you're looking for any books to read, I got you covered over there. So, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, with that, as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week for episode eight. Which eight. Crazy time jump. <laughs> so we have three episodes of House of the Dragon season one left. And then there's already a lot of rumors, rumblings going on. We're getting more and more and more out of the snow camp. So certainly he's going to be a Game of Thrones con in December. Exactly. So stay tuned for that. And then uh, we'll actually be diving back into the reread. Uh, we so we're uh, we'll be diving back into a storm of swords, which yes. is perfect. So with that, guys, thank you. We will see you next week. And remember that winter is coming.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.